We're in the nation's capital today talking under 18 ACT baseball with head coach Matt Alt. Matt, welcome along. Yeah, good day. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm well. And um, the last time we did a podcast, which was in June or July of this year, we had a good 10 to 15 minute conversation before I realised I hadn't hit the record button. So you've been on my, back, <laughs> on my backside. We haven't had to recycle any jokes. The button's bright red. I'm ready to go. Um, Perfect. You've made the transition, as a couple of other coaches have, from um, mm-hmm. coaching under 16 state teams to moving up to under 18s. And I always like to kind of unpack with the, the coach, um, what are some of the, I suppose, differences, obviously just age of the players, but what are some of the challenges that come along with uh, with moving up, and and which one do you think you enjoy more? Uh, it's probably uh, if anything, I, I'm finding it easier with the the uh, as they're getting older because their uh, communication's a lot easier when they're in the under 16s age group. A lot of them tend to not want to talk much, uh, whereas a lot of them are coming out of their shells nowadays. So. It's it's much easier in that respect being able to, to talk to them, talk about processes, what we're working through, why we're working through things, what our expectations are. It, it, I'm actually finding a lot easier. So, and the you know, like one of the things that a lot of um, of the under sixteen coaches have had to talk about is the tryouts and the process of putting the team together. It still involves a hell of a lot of coaching. Uh, one of the other coaches mentioned we're. We're working with the kids, teaching them how to train properly. Um, you know, how, how have you found that transition? Is that you know, ACT is not exactly spoiled with hundreds of kids who are showing up? Um, have That's you, right. How, have you found that sort of transition from you know select team coaching to you know now you've got older kids? Is there as much teaching going on, or they've got a bit of better handle on it? So we, I'm involved in our high performance program as one of the coaches. So all of the, all the local kids in, in our, our ACT team are involved in the high performance program as well. So the transition's been minimal, really. Uh, they're, they're used to the, the way we train, the way we set our practices. Uh, so it's realistically just a flow on of that mm. for us. Uh, and our our HP program runs differently to most other states where we're still in, in session with HP. Uh, this is our last week we wrap up and have a break over Christmas. But our, session, our, our HP program runs for quite a lot longer. Uh, so we're, they're, they're already used to the, that style of, of training and, and understand what we're going through. So... When we go into the AYC-specific training, we tend to focus a lot more on uh, scenario training, game, game play, that sort of thing, uh, which we, we touch on quite often throughout the HP program as well. So, I, I should have asked when I sort of did the introduction, is there any reason behind the move from 16 to 18s? Uh, so I, I've worked with this age group in, in ACT for, for quite a few years now, so I've been following them through. Uh, so trying to stick with them as much as I can, but also uh, my, my son plays in the team as well, so uh, following him as well, and yeah. Got any, any sense of whether or not they're sick of you yet, mate? Are you still um, tickled? Oh, I'm pretty confident they would be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, um, I, sort of, yeah. I normally throw this one at a coach at the end, but I want to throw it to you now. You're, you're coaching your own son, and you're on a state, mm-hmm. state team. Um, yep. Almost every 
coach says, no, nah, I'm pretty even keel. I think, you know, I manage them all the same. With yep. those close to you say, no, no, you're way harder on your own kid or how, how do you think you go managing your own son? Uh, it, it's, a, it's a different way of doing it. Um, so on the field and, and at training sessions, I, I, I do my absolute best to treat everyone evenly. Uh, when we get in the car on the way home that we, we start to get into conversation and why, why, why are we doing this? Uh, how can we work on this? One of the interesting things... Relationship there. Yeah, one of the interesting things, um, you know, like baseball's a game of failure. So, you know, you're... And, I, you know, some of us failed more at it than others, but um, the the interesting thing when it's your own child, like, you you know, a kid plays a game, they don't play particularly well, you're the coach, you try and pump their tyres and then they go home with mum and dad and they're gone. When it's your own yep. child... Is there a bit of a balancing act on, like, I had a, I had a terrible game, my dad's the coach, now I've got my coaches in the house with me. How do you balance that, um, I guess, the performance side of things? Now, obviously, if your kid's an absolute superstar, they don't have too many down days, but how do you balance that sort of up and down nature of baseball when you're coaching your own child? It is very difficult at times. Um, yeah, I, I've always taken the approach where I don't want to – I've never tried to pressure him into – uh, playing, I've played baseball for 35 years now, so never pressured him into it, uh, trying to make sure it's what he wants to do. And, and nowadays, he absolutely loves it, so which is great. Um, but it's it's definitely a balancing act. Um, I've got to remember at the end of the day, I'm dad as well as coach, so uh, trying not to put too much pressure on him. Uh, that sort of thing is it's difficult at times, but yeah, we're. We're going pretty well at the moment. Oh, that's so. good to hear. Good to hear. Um, yeah. Now, the ACT is always an interesting one because sort of like New South Wales country, oftentimes you have to reach out to other states or associations to help top up um, the squad. What's, yep. what's your situation like this year and how many players are homegrown and how many did you have to bring in? Okay, so this year, this this tournament, we're uh, a little – little less in the, in the local players than we were at last. So last tournament I had 15 locals, down to 10 this year. We're sort of in that time space where this age group is split over the 16s and 18s. So we, like you, you alluded to previously, we don't have a huge playing pool to, to take players from. Um, so 10 locals this year and 10 friendlies, uh, which is going to – add some complexity to uh, the way we, we manage and, and coach the side through the tournament. Um, it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's always a challenge. Um, and I think last, last tournament, the, the feedback from the friendly players that we had was, was really positive. Uh, they all enjoyed themselves, which is great. So hoping we can do the same this year with a, with a larger amount. So there's a bit to unpack here. Um, the mm-hmm. I guess the bit oh, I don't know where to start. Um, you know, you do, do these friendlies. Do they see it as? Is it a good thing that they're playing for ACT, or are they? Is it you know? There's, there's. I suppose I want to represent my state. I didn't make that team. Now I've got to go. Now I'm going to play for ACT. Is that viewed mm-hmm. by kids like? Oh, now I've got to go and play for the ACT, or do do, do they see it as? I'm going to show my state they made a mistake, or like what? What's the general vibe you encounter with kids? And I know it's going to be different for every kid, but how do they? How yeah. do most players see this 
opportunity? The the reactions this this tournament have been extremely positive. So uh, obviously there's disappointment that they haven't made their own state team. Uh, but when we've uh, to all the players we've reached out to this year, uh, the feedback is and, and excitement from them when they find out that they still get the opportunity to be at AYC has been really positive. Oh, that's good. Um, have you? I do like asking this question to, to the ACT coaches in New South Wales country. Mm-hmm. Have you ever taken on a friendly and they've just played a tournament that you've kind of looked at them like, geez, that your home state missed out on this one because the kids just turned up and really, really done well? Yeah. Most definitely. Um, we had one of the one of the guys we had at 16s last tournament is, is in our squad again for 18s, uh, and he he played out of his skin at, at the last 16s tournament and was unlucky not to make his state team, and uh, we reached out, and uh, he actually reached out to me as well and said, is there a possibility? And I did everything I could to make sure we could get him, so fantastic that he is coming along again with us. And, yeah, excited about that. The, oh, I, now I want to dive into some sort of... Um, team theories and culture stuff. Um, you're integrating 50% of your team, like your team is 50% made up of kids who may not know each other or know each other very well. How do you, what what steps do you take um, to bring them together, to get them ready for a tournament like this? And how do you build a team culture, um, you know, when you've got kids that have perhaps never played with each other before? It is difficult. Um Last tournament, we had a couple of the New South Wales kids. We were fortunate enough that they travelled down to a few of our training sessions, uh, which was great. Uh, so last, at the 16s, we took on uh, players from New South Wales and Queensland. Uh, the Queensland players we met when we arrived in at, at the tournament, basically, uh, when, when we touched down. So, But they again, they fitted in really well. It's... For me and, and the rest of my coaching staff, it's basically leading by example, uh, make sure we're, we're inclusive as, as much as possible. Uh, and and we're, we're fortunate enough that uh, we've got friendlies that we had last time coming back this time. So that introduction is probably going to be easier this time uh, for, the, the, for the 18s tournament, being that uh, there is already connection there. So that's helpful, definitely. <laughs> it, it's sort of like... It's the first day of school, mm-hmm. but on the first day of school, yeah. you've got exams that you need to do really yeah. well. Like it's it's yeah. not optimal for um, you know high performance. Um, I was talking to the under sixteen coach Ernie, and he mentioned that they're bringing some kids into Canberra um, prior to the tournament starting, just to sort yeah. of build out some um, you know just getting more airtime with these kids because they were bringing in some kids from WA. Um, are you yeah. doing anything similar? Yeah, we are. So we're, we're really fortunate that uh, we can accommodate them at the Australian Institute of Sport. Uh, so I believe they're, they're arriving in Canberra on the 5th of January. So it gives us uh, about four days uh, of prep as a full squad almost uh, before we, we, we get to the tournament. Oh, that's a pretty cool experience for the kids as well, getting to stay. It is, yeah, sport, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, one sort of last thing before we get into team makeup, but I'm always intrigued by um, leadership. And very often in baseball, you're selecting a team 
made up of kids who are the best player on their team. So naturally, when they're young, you feel the best player, you're the leader. But how does leadership shake itself out on a state team? And more specifically, how does leadership shake itself out on a team where you're kind of mashing a group of kids together who haven't had a couple of months to train and, and sort of figure it out? How, how does Have you seen leadership evolve on ACT teams with those conditions? It's, it almost occurs naturally. Uh, we did at the last tournament. So we had a couple of local guys that uh, played really well throughout the tournament and, and had the attitudes that we're, we're looking for leading into the tournament. Uh, they they took on leadership roles without knowing sort of thing. Um, and effectively, everybody came along for the ride, which was is great. So uh, it, I don't think – a lot of the time, I don't think that the players realise that they're leaders of the team, mm. uh, but it, it often works better when that's not the, when, when that is the case, that they don't know that and they're just doing what they do and that, that shines through as leadership. So. Mm. So I'll get into um, <clears throat> the team and the and the preparation. Mm-hmm. Sort of, at, at what point? This is interesting to me as well because you needed to ten players. When, like, at what point mm-hmm. were you sort of sitting there with a piece of paper going, uh, "We need X number of arms. We need bats, positions," and then you just take this shopping list out to other states. How does how do you fill the roster out with the unique set of um, or the unique situation that you guys have? So we basically uh, ran our trials back in September, October period, uh, looked at the numbers and realised that, yes, we're going to need to secure a, a reasonable amount of, of friendship players for our tournament. Uh, so basically it's through communication with uh, Baseball Australia. They'll identify the uh, kids that, will have, that have missed out on selection in their own states they provide a list and, and they asked us this year for what positions we were looking for and then second, sent through recommendations for us to, to have a look over uh, and we get, we get that list of players and then go over that, work out what, what positions we want to fill from those and that's where we end up. So you, I'm guessing obviously arms is, unless unless the age group's a hotbed of, um, of arms at the moment, but I'm guessing that sort of pitching, pitching was a requirement. Um do you start to yeah. get into we need left-handers, right-handers, or just like we need kids who can throw strikes and, and get people out? We we probably don't have the luxury of that um, yeah. with with the player numbers that we have. So we it's it's more positional rather than lefties or righties. We we with the uh, mandatory play requirements this year, we're we're effectively looking to have enough kids to field two teams at any time so that we can make sure everybody's meeting the, the playing requirements and we have a solid team throughout the tournament. And what do those requirements look like? You know, you just came from a tournament in July where, you know, there, there, yeah. there really weren't any requirements to all of a sudden, hang yeah. on, here's your, here's your A4 folder of, of requirements. What, what sort of requirements are we talking now at this level? Uh, so it's pretty pretty detailed in, in what what we have to uh, follow. Uh, so it's it's uh, mandatory full full mandatory games. So minimum of three games, I think it is. I'd have to check the tech specs. I haven't looked at it in a couple of weeks, but yeah, it's around that. So that they have to play a minimum of about three full games or five innings constituting a full game. 
so in that respect, with the amount of games played, that's why we're looking at those those two squads uh, to be able to replace each other effectively. And then the other bit, um, I've been drilling into it with coaches a little bit, and, and your situation is unique because you, you're not spoiled for choice. So, you know, like, mm-hmm. but you still have to make, like I didn't ask you how many people showed to your tryouts, but you have to kind of put a lens on them and say, you know, you don't want to take a player away who's just going to be blown away at this tournament. So from a coaching right. staff perspective, how how do you how much time and effort goes into constructing your roster and really sort of thinking about look I like the kid good family performs well at clubland but if we put them in this situation there's every chance they'll just be blown away like how much how hard is the team construction and that selection process and what does it come down to with some players it is a difficult task um, and and I certainly encountered that we. You, you get you look at kids that you can see the potential in them, but probably not ready for this level. Um, and I, I learned a lot about that personally at the, at the 16s tournament. Um, so it, it again with our lack of uh, player numbers in the ACT, it, it makes it that much more difficult because you you don't want to. We always want to try and take as many local players as we can, uh, but we've got to we've got to look at making sure that they can meet the standard, and and they're not. You don't want to send a kid away that's, like you said, going to get their doors blown off and and not enjoy themselves. So, mm. so does it? How many hours are spent staring at a piece of paper and a whiteboard with your coaches, going, "Hang on," you know, because it's not just, you know, you can't just take. Oh, sorry, you, you can and you can't. You can't just take the twenty best players because in a tournament like this, you you know, f- you might have five catches, but there's mandatory playing requirements. So, you know that I, I'm always intrigued, and I think that's probably one of the cool parts of coaching is the internal debate. And you know, it's not like you <clears throat> we're not talking about stocks and stuff like that. These are human beings. Um, yeah, how? How much back and forth is there across the coaching staff to sort of land on? Well, this is the group we're really comfortable to take away. Um, not a, not all that much. Uh, again, killed, most, most, most of my coaching. Again, sorry, for us again, my my coaching staff. We're all involved in our high performance program, uh, yeah, right, so okay. yep. we we know the kids pretty well. Uh, we know the levels that most of them are at, so. It, it makes it easier for us in that respect uh, because we are, we are involved in, in that process. So we have a fair idea prior to trials where where players are sitting, where if they're going to struggle, that sort of thing. We're, we're pretty aware of that at, at the beginning. So Okay, because I am trying to highlight the coaching staffs do a bit of thinking here and you've, you've just destroyed it. But um, <laughs> so let, me, let me just pivot to try and set you up to look good. Um, Sure. With your with your squad, how much planning yep. goes into this? Is how we're going to attack the tournament, and by attack the tournament, I mean, you know, you, you look at your roster, you look at where your strengths are, you look at your playing draw, which is challenging because there's double headers every day and it's a condensed format. And yep. you know, how do you how do you as a team, um, you know, that has traditionally finished in the bottom half of the bracket? How do you go about planning for this is how we're going to go after this tournament and try and pick up wins? Um, 
for me, there's, there's a heap involved in that. That's where we spend a, a lot of our time working on. Um, for, for us, and, and the, the approach we took with uh, the last 16s tournament was we, we want to be competitive in every place we can. So uh, we'll work on, on different things with small ball, for example, a training session so that we can try and pick up any advantage we can. We, have, we are a small, the, the smallest of the states. Um, it is more difficult for us. We don't have the talent pool that we can draw on that other states have, have available. So it does make it more difficult, but we, we sort of look at where in, anywhere we, we can, we can gain an advantage basically. So that's, that's the discussions we have as coaches. How is this matchup going to work? Who's going to work better together in this respect? And, and that's where, where the debate starts. So, And where do you see the strength of the team heading into this tournament? Uh, we're, we're pretty good. For, so for our local guys, it, it's hard with uh, a lot of the friendship players. We, I haven't, haven't seen a lot of them. Um, but with the uh, local guys, we, we're a pretty good hitting team. So we've, we've done a lot of work on that through the HP program. Uh, try to develop them as best we can with that, and they they're, they're showing results of that in their their local competitions uh, in, in in higher grades, first grade, second grade as well, uh, which is great to see. So that's that's probably our strength at the moment. I think is, is probably our offense. How do you um, like? I sort of said earlier, most of the kids who make this team are the best kids, best players on their mm-hmm. team. Um, how do you get a squad ready to see the level of a consistent level of velocity um, that they're going to see at this tournament? What sort of activities are you doing from a hitting perspective to, to get players ready to face you know arms that of a quality that they probably don't get to see week to week playing club base? Well, now, I, I, granted, most states are in the same situation, but just always interested to see the drills and activities teams are doing to try and get their kids ready for the increased speed with which they're going to be faced. Yeah, sure. So, a lot, we're, like I said, we're lucky. Quite a few of our local kids are already playing first grade in our local comp, yeah, which right. is is great to see at their age. Uh, so they they are seeing some some decent uh, facing some decent pitching there. Uh, but we also do a lot of overspeed type drills at training sessions uh, with with the heating machines, uh, pitching machines. Uh, so trying to do overspeed so that we can so that their body, uh, they can get used to seeing something coming at them at, at a, a higher velocity, uh, but it also highlights anything that we can help them develop so that once they get to a tournament, everything sort of appears in that, hopefully in, in slow motion so that they can adjust and, and feel more comfortable. So excuse my ignorance, but you used the word overspeed. What, do you, what, do you, what does that mean? Yep. So basically uh, winding pitching machines up as at a, a higher rate than they're used to. Right. Uh, and when we first started with it, they a, a lot of them would go up for their, their round, miss almost all the pitches, whereas now we're seeing them making good contact, uh, solid contact throughout their, their rounds uh, and, and getting used to that speed. So, uh, yeah, the idea behind it is, is basically so that it, when it does come in slower, they, they can see the ball a hell of a lot better. They, they're they not having to uh, come up and see something they haven't seen 
that sort of velocity coming at them before. So, yeah. The um, the last time we spoke, you had taken away 14 and 15-year-olds, many of whom had never been away before. Um, yep. And many of the conversations with coaches were like, well, it's, it's kind of like herding cats and you don't want them to just go crazy the first couple of days, et cetera, et cetera. You're obviously taking away, you know, more mature young men. But one of the coaches raised this with me and I hadn't thought of it at all. And I'm now it's a question I'm asking all the coaches is Blacktown, where the where the uh, tournament is being held in the heart yep. of summer, can be some of the most oppressive conditions. It's not only <laughs> disgracefully hot, it's humidity that's like walking into a, a, an oven. How do you um, How do you manage yep. a team through that? And kind of get the guys ready, for, you know, double headers. Like you're just playing in these conditions. What what sort of approaches are you as a coaching staff and a management team taking to ensure that the players are <laughs> able to get on the field two times a day? Really hard to replicate in Canberra at the yeah, moment. It was imagine. one degree this morning, yep. uh, so <laughs> it's been a really cold. Uh, we haven't had summer at all yet, so. It's it's something we don't really have a way of replicating at the moment um, other than through extended training sessions in terms of time, trying to, to get them used to uh, playing on a regular basis. So, uh, for example, our high-performance team plays in, uh, plays in the local first-grade comp in Canberra as well. Uh, so we've got – we've had uh, – they all play on the weekends with their clubs – some of them play, still play juniors as well. So we'll have kids this week that have played uh, Tuesday last week, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday this week, and then we're playing again tonight and then again Saturday, Sunday. So just trying to do it through that method, that's really the only opportunity we've got, especially with the weather conditions at the moment. So Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything more trying than going from one degree to 40 degrees and 100% humidity. So, uh, be a test for the young charges, mate. Yeah, yep. Uh, Matt, really appreciated your time today and um, looking forward to seeing how you can get a team to coalesce and um, and and hit the ground and be competitive. So thanks very much and all the very best. We'll, uh, we, we are keenly watching no to see how you can pull this team together. Excellent. <laughs> thanks, Stuart.